What the hell? Sorry to curse. You're in Salt Lake City. Does that mean that yeah, I shouldn't no. say the word hell? Okay. What the hell, dude? You're making six million dollars annual recurring revenue selling selling like the replacement to those freaking trees that that the taxi drivers in New York had. Yeah, dude. It's uh, it's a it's a terrible elevator pitch. <laughs> It's not a terrible elevator pitch. It's an unbelievable elevator pitch. Someone's going to yeah. think, are you snowing us? Is this a lie? <laughs> Truthfully, a that lie, was going to be my first question. Number one, are you snowing us? Number two, is this a lie? Number three, I can't believe it. Why am I not doing it? Yeah, exactly. Can, can we just roll right into the interview right now, included Let's the whole it. setup that we got? Absolutely. Uh, we'll be completely informal. This is Ryan Bayless. He is the founder of Drift. I don't know why you named the company Drift, but I understand that the, the name changed. What was it called before? It was like a very male. Yeah, name. it was called it was called GentSense before. So yeah, swapped it out. Okay. And so for anyone listening, what they've got is these air fresheners that don't look, I don't know, don't look like the type of stuff that the New York City taxi drivers had. You know, what are those those old trees that they would put on their rear view mirror? It doesn't look like the thing your mom would like. No offense, mom, but my mom does love potpourri and plastic in, in bags. Yep, it doesn't same. look like that. It, your two? Oh yeah, my mom. My mom's got like I walked into her house the other day. I'm like, mom, we've got products you can use that like I'll give you some testers, you know. And she's like, nah, she's got a little potpourri bowl. It's like seriously, got like seashells and stuff. I'm like, honestly, it smells good. I'm like. Should we, I, should we make I predict you're going to, I predict you're going to do that because you started <laughs> out with these little wooden bricks that looked gorgeous, not gorgeous. They just, they look very, they had this cool sense to them. And then you've expanded from these pieces of wood that you can keep in your car or anywhere else to what, what are the other shapes that you've got right now? Yeah. So we've got our wood product. Um, we're about to launch a new one called stone. So it's like, uh, looks more like concrete, but yep. still carries a scent, um, lasts a little bit longer. It's a really cool material. It's organic. You could technically compost it. Um, and then we've got, uh, a metal freshener that hooks on your vite or, or on your vent. Um, and so that one's pretty similar to some of the other ones you've seen. We just wanted to make it look better. Um, the whole thesis on all this is that what, like what you were saying, the traditional car freshers are just bad. They look terrible. Like they're just, they don't match the aesthetic of your car and the scents are just not up to par. So, you know, we set out to kind of, to change that and make something way better. No, no doubt. Your thing looks way cooler. Nobody would even know it was a scented thing. It just looks like a cool little knickknack that you'd keep around the car. By the way, are you okay with me saying what your revenue was? We didn't get your permission. We're just like launching into the conversation. Um, I, we're cool. If you can just say like mid seven figures, that's cool for, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know if it's, if it's, if you want to say that, I don't I know. I think you should give the exact number. Let's I think it. it's, yeah, you, you're going to blow past it. Here's why I think you're going to yeah. blow past it because it's not just that the thing looks beautiful. You, you would have had it a beautiful, but it would have been a sad little story of yeah, you're selling fine. it. Nice little it. thing. Here's where, you, here's where you guys are, are blowing up adrift. You decided to make it a subscription service. The nerve on you to go, you don't just need one of these. You're going to need one of these every month. If you want it from the beginning, you said you got to sign up for a subscription. That is a gutsy freaking move. Don't you think? Oh, for sure. I think like, you know, even in the beginning when we, we offered only subscriptions, we had people that were like, why are you doing that? Like, you're going to lose customers. It's like, we know that we are. However, that reoccurring revenue is just, you know, is key for us. Um, and if you look at like, everyone's trying to do it now, like you're just trying to get on the subscription model. Right. I think there's a lot of subscription fatigue. Um, but I think there are, it's around products that aren't consumable, you know, like our product literally will stop working in a month. So, and we know that, so we want to, you know, it's, it is a little bit of planned obsolescence, but at the same time, like you, you also want to swap the scent every month. We do a scent of the month program, keeps things novel and fun. So, 
yeah, I think there's there's arguments for subscription. And for us, it's just, it's absolutely crushed it for us. All right. What you're saying, though, is there is subscription fatigue, but you feel in the physical product space, it's not the same. In the consumable space, it's not the same as it is for, I already signed up for Hulu, Netflix, Masterclass, Mixer G Premium, and all these other things, and the New York Times, and the Washington Post. And at the end, I'm done with all this content that I'm paying for. Right. Got it. All right. Well, here's the other thing. So I have to tell you, you're right. The what is it called? The metal, uh, the metal freshener. That's the thing that goes on the uh, the vent. The vent that looks a little cooler than the others, but it still looks similar to the others. The one that had me was the the piece of wood. I just thought that just looks so cool. I want to have it around. That makes me feel like more of a man. Makes me feel like more of somebody who's working with his hands, or I've got some kind of style to it. Anyway, but then I thought my car doesn't smell like. It, and I've got two kids who are like in farm school and all this other stuff. They should be smelling the car. Maybe I'm just not smelling the car. Is that it? I mean, you're just, you're just probably a clean person. So, but yeah, I mean, but like, why not? Why not have a little scent in there? You know, people get in, you know, even your kids get in, they'll be like, dang, it smells awesome in here. I you don't know? think I need the smell unless something stinks or I want somebody to make out with me. And I think Olivia, oh, maybe actually that's the one thing keeping her from making out with me. Yeah. Lately, she's it's not wanting to kiss me enough. Yeah, it's because you it's because you actually have a little tree under the seat. So no, no kidding. Do you think you've got one of those smells? I used to read Men's Health magazine when I was a kid. It was like it was how to get abs, which I never got, and then how to get women, which I never got. But one of the things that I remember was they'd have these silly articles about how here are the scents that women will love you more for. And yeah, one of them pheromones. I think was vanilla. <laughs> no, it was like even simpler oh, than that. Men's yeah. health was never getting that creative. Pheromones like way too much. Do you think there's one that that would make Olivia go, why why are we in bucket seats? Why don't we have one of these old bench seats? You know, what's funny is I feel like a lot of women, um, and we saw this in the GenSense days that people would be like, hey, my girlfriend stole this. I need to get a second one. Um, <laughs> it was it was always the more masculine leaning sense that we saw that that women were liking more. And I don't know if that's just because, you know, it, it feels like, you know, uh, leaning into that a little bit or whatever, but I don't know. I, what's funny too is I like more floral scents. Like uh, I don't, and that's one of the reasons we switched to Drift was we were like, we don't need to to put people into buckets with this brand. Like, let's open it up and yeah. allow people to buy whatever sense they want. And we don't need to be a gendered brand. And we were cutting off 50% of our market. So like, why would we do that? You know? Um, yeah. So anyway, so I think like scent wise, like, yeah, I mean, like our teak scent is super good. Uh, it's one of my favorites or uh, I don't know. It depends on what she likes. That's the thing. She's not. I, that's what's funny about this, like one size fits all thing. It's like, nah, that's what's cool about scent is it's all about branding your space and picking what you like, you know? You know what? I, um, as I just read the story and we're going to go through it in this interview, the thing that just keeps coming to mind is what else can be turned into a subscription? What you found was this thing that we completely ignored that we hadn't bought in a long time. And you not only started selling it online, but you turned it into a subscription. Do you now look around and say, what else can I turn into a subscription? What are you thinking? Yeah, hundred percent. I think once I, once I kind of started this with um, my co-founder, we started to look at like, not necessarily even on just subscriptions, but just on products in general, like uh, we, how we operate is we take the con list and we work on those things, you know? So we looked at, we looked at the, all of the air fresheners that were out there and we said, you know, what are, what are so bad about these things? that we want to change. And so that that's what we tried to take the con list and make it our but pro wait, list. How did you even think of air freshener? And can you use the same, the same, the same approach to find something else in the world that should be turned into a subscription? Yeah, hundred percent. I think you could, but yeah, for us, like, 
Um, I bought a used car. I just got my first like out of college, you know, regular paycheck job. I thought it was, I thought I was rich. I was making good money. Um, went out to buy a car. I bought a, it was a Mazda speed three, which is uh-huh. like not a sports car, but like when you buy it, you feel like it's cool. You know, you're like, Oh, it's sweet. It's fast. It's got, it's got six gears, you know, what is it it's called? The, I'm looking it up. Cause I don't know jack about cars. Mazda, Mazda speed, speed three. Okay. It's, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's, it was fun. It was sporty. It wasn't like a, I don't know. I wasn't buying a Porsche. Oh, but... I see what you mean. No, this is not a Porsche. Okay. No. I, yeah. Okay. So you bought that but, for yourself. It's, it's, it's fast. And I bought a used one and, um, it, it had a funk to it. Like the guy that had it before me, like, ah, I don't know what okay. he did, but it, it just yeah. had a little funk to it. And I was like, okay. I, I know here I am. I'm like, just, just out of college. Like, ah, I want my car to smell good. I yeah. was, I was, uh, engaged at the time. I'm like, I want my fiance to think that my car smells good. So, um, I couldn't find anything besides the the regular offering. And so I had this idea. I talked to a few friends about it and um, I didn't do anything with it. I just kind of had it. And then a few years later, I was with my co-founder. We were hiking with our wives and we were just talking about our day jobs. And uh, we're like, it's cool. But like, you know, is there something else we could be doing that, you know, is fun? And um, he's like, you got any good ideas? And I'm like, I think I've got a bad idea. Like I've got these, like we should sell air fresheners on the internet. You know, like it's just like on paper, it really is not a great pitch. You're like, well, how does, how do people smell it? You know, mm. how do we, you know, uh, how do we get it to them at the time? Subscriptions were harder to facilitate. It's gotten way easier now. Um, you mean the, the, in, this infrastructure for charging and maintaining. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. I like it, it at the time it took a bunch of dev work if you wanted to build okay. it yourself. So, you know, off the shelf, we, there wasn't a ton of options. I mean, there were, but they weren't, there still okay. aren't great, but Anyway, so we, we had this idea that within a couple of days, Christian had mocked up a, he'd gone and got a membership at this woodworking shop in Salt Lake. It's called Make Salt Lake. They're just like, I don't know, people pay a membership fee and they go make whatever they want. And Christian's uh-huh. in there just like figuring out how to make these wood pieces. And uh, so he made a prototype. And then we went to Whole Foods and bought a bunch of essential oils. And we're like trying to mix them ourselves, come up with fragrances. And uh, I think our first one we bought, my friend was involved in like a beard oil company. And so we bought one of their beard oils and just soaked the wood right in the beard okay. oil and it smelled awesome and it worked. And, and when like, you did it just in a, in a piece of wood, did it release a lot of scent all at once? And then the whole thing evaporated and was gone just as quickly? No, we played around with different types of wood and stuff. So we've, we've found that we use an aromatic cedar. Um, it's actually grown in the U S um, super sustainable, like uh, okay. in, in the U S uh, wood is, is very sustainable. We've been since like the twenties, um, and, uh, yeah, it, it worked. We like, we, we have a decent, um, fragrance curve, if you want to call it that, where it does fade slowly over time, obviously like heat and other factors play into that. So, you know, if you're in the South, it, it will probably evaporate quicker and you might need to switch it sooner, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, okay. it's an so interesting it just, product. You and your co-founder just messing around. And one of the reasons why you felt comfortable doing this, you told our producer, you know what? I actually worked at a SaaS company doing their video production. And I kind of saw behind the scenes and I realized it's, it's not as elegant, not as tough, not as, not as out of reach as I thought it was. What did you see that made you feel that way? Yeah. I feel like in entrepreneurship, like everyone kind of, I, I think it's getting better now. I feel like everyone does kind of feel like they have the toolkit to like go do what they want to do and start what they want. Um, but I felt like when I was there, I, I kind of just felt like looking around, like, I don't feel like I'm not as smart as any of these people. And I mean, some of these people had like Harvard MBAs and I'm like, I, I think that's cool. But like, I don't know that you, I, I don't know that I couldn't be doing what you're doing. You like, what did you a- see that was so shocked? I'll tell you one thing. I remember going to work for the first time in my life. Um, 
as an intern on Wall Street. And the first day I was there, my boss ripped into her secretary for not showing up on time. She says, this happens all the time here. And I realized, oh, showing up on time is even a, a challenge for adults. All right, maybe they're just regular people. If they can't show up on time enough, I think I could, I could master this game of business. What was it that, that you saw and said, I think this is difficult, but not nearly as difficult as I thought? Yeah, I think like one thing I just learned in adulthood is like re- like when you realize that your parents were winging it, you know, and that I think that yeah. like, you know, even in some of these buttoned up polished businesses that look awesome on, on a PR release, you're like behind the scenes, it's not as like clear cut, easy going as it's, it seems, so, but so everyone's what did you making see, it work. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I saw, uh, hold on. That's a good question. I think like, I, I just saw regular people you know, kind of mashing their way through a job. And I realized even with entrepreneurship or, or starting my own thing that like, you know, I have the grit. I have that tenacity of like, you know, we can go push through something, figure it out. And I, I'm glad I found a co-founder that has even more of that. And um, I, I just figured that like, I don't need an MBA. I don't need to go get a college education for like need to know how to even do spreadsheets or whatever. I can figure out how to do this. And I felt like from a marketing perspective, I already have this toolkit of video and um, social media that I know how to wow. do that part of it. They're like, you know, the other part just seems like we'll figure out the business part of it. And that's why I, I did find um, Christian, my co-founder. He's a he's a spreadsheets guy. So uh, <laughs> brought him in to kind of film. How do you gaps. know, Christian? Um, our wives are really good friends. And so okay. we we uh, we'd hung out a lot. And then like, yeah, like I said, we were hiking and just on a, on a hike and just chatting, you know, like you do. And um, I meanwhile, you've been kicking thing. around different business ideas. You've been shooting videos for people who've been on Kickstarter. So you're kind of seeing all this and wondering totally. what else is out there for you. Totally. Okay. And so then the next step is to how he starts making it. The next step is to get customers or is the next step to go on Kickstarter? Yeah. So next step was to, to go on Kickstarter. So we did a, a Kickstarter campaign. Um, you know, internally, we've always just said that like, uh, it was about testing pricing. Uh, I'd call it a failure. Like we didn't, we didn't push it very hard. We didn't do a bunch of ads or anything. We kind of just <clears throat> put it out there and, and let it go. <clears throat> um, and yeah, we, I mean, we got, we got a couple hundred people to buy it, mostly our friends and family, but it ended up being the, the reason why we kept it going. Um, <clears throat> sorry. All right. Take your time. Freaking mornings, man. <clears throat> um, so yeah, after we did the Kickstarter, a couple, um, after we did the Kickstarter, a couple months into it, we were having to fulfill the, all the orders ourselves and we were doing them out of our garage. You know, and, before we, before we go into oh, yeah. after yeah, I'm yeah. looking at, there's something called kick tracks. <laughs> with a Q, you yeah. know, this site, yeah, they, they track how people do. It says the project funded six project funded successfully, but it doesn't seem like a success. And you're saying it's not 156 backers. Average pledge was for $48. What was it that kept it from blowing up? Like some of the others that you'd seen. I think part of it is like, it's a little, like, again, it's a little harder product to sell on the internet. I think we've actually figured out how to do it now, but I think it's just like, it's just weird, right? Like it, when you, 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 we had to figure out a way to sell it to people. And we've, like I said, we've got some tricks, like showing the hand, holding the product in the car works like a champ versus anything uh, else. Like okay. you want to, you want to tell people where it's going and stuff. Um, but even then I think like it, it seems innovative, but it's also, you know, just a basic product. So, I, and again, I don't think we put a bunch of effort into like blowing the Kickstarter up. Like we could have. Yeah. It seems know, like, like you products. weren't good at marketing this stuff at the time. Yeah. I, I don't know that we like went, went hard at it. It also was like a side hustle. And I think, you know, we put some effort into it, but I don't think we've just put a ton into the Kickstarter. Um, so yeah. I will say this though, 
Ryan, the Kickstarter looks beautiful. You almost went overboard with some of the designs. I guess you were still hand making each one of the of the wooden blocks. Yeah. Yep. And so yep. you were actually carving in in beautiful fonts the name of each scent. So the citrus had its own look. The musk had its own uh, <laughs> carving for the name. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Christian was. Yeah. I mean, they weren't. They were lasered technically, but. The, the pieces themselves, yeah, Christian was making them, you know, each one had to be like sanded down. Like we've got video of how he was doing it. And like, it was, it's a, it was a wild process. And okay. I mean, he so was doing you... it for the first eight months of the business. He was making them by hand eight. still. Okay. Yeah. And so a uh, good thing maybe that you didn't get more orders. And so if you could find one thing to do differently or two things to do differently to, to grow the Kickstarter campaign based on that experience, what would that be? Help us learn from you. Yeah. On Kickstarter, you know, and I've seen, I've seen behind the scenes of a bunch of uh, big, uh, I used to work for a few backpack companies. I have a few friends that do backpacks in Utah. For some reason, we have like seven backpack companies that do Kickstarters. They're all friends though. Like they get along. Um, so I've seen behind the scenes and, and the best way to do that stuff is um, they, they have the product almost complete usually. Mm -hmm. So you're not really getting in as early as you may think you are on a Kickstarter. Uh -huh. um, and then they also, they'll use one of these like backer camp or one of the bigger um, Kickstarter Promotion companies. Yeah. They'll use ah. one of the Kickstarter agencies. We didn't do that at the time. We just didn't want to put the money up for it because we just didn't know. It was kind of like we still wanted to test it a little bit. And then what so, did the you were really thinking about Kickstarter in the pure sense of Kickstarter? We've got this idea. 100%. If you buy it, you'll show us that this makes sense versus yeah, it, them saying this is going to be our way of getting a great launch. You're going to do our launch campaign. They you also told our producer the friends that you had there were putting in hundreds of thousands of dollars into marketing on Kickstarter. You oh, were yeah. you were putting nothing in. You're kind of proud yeah. that you were bootstrapping it and being you were being authentic to the Kickstarter uh, system. What were the the companies that uh, that they hired, what are some of the marketing, uh, techniques that they use that worked? Yeah. I mean, mostly just social ads. So they'll do that. And then a lot of them, what they'll do is, um, they share their lookalike audiences. So if you use like Maddox uh, labs or backer camp or one of those guys, they'll use, they'll take the email list from everybody and, and then make lookalikes off it, which I mean, who knows at this point, what any of that, if that's working with, with the iOS updates, but, um, yeah, it's, I, okay. I think Kickstarter is, uh, you know, I, I think it's still a, a great tool and, and it works, but I think it's for, it's, it's not as seed heavy as it, as it looks. I think it's very yeah. much more like, you know, later on stages of, of development, I think too. Okay. All right. And so the campaign didn't work and then you still, I don't think it, it bombed. It seems like in the end, because based on the, the numbers that I saw, it seemed like in the end, you just came in and said, let's just buy this to make sure that we hit our, yeah. our number, right? Yeah. Yeah. We put in the last little bit. I honestly can't remember what the check was, which was kind of, I mean, it's annoying to have to do that because you're paying Kickstarter their fees Jeez, on yeah. it, but, but it's, you know, at least to, to say we had a successful Kickstarter. Um, and it wasn't uh, that much. It was like, I, I mean, the last two days, my guess is you probably put in $2,000 and yeah, the whole campaign like two, hit 8,000. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm seeing. Okay. So now you have to go and make it and you're starting to talk about making it and shipping. It was also a thing that we'll talk about, but let's talk making it. Yeah. I mean, Christian was like down there at make salt Lake. He, he still had his, we still had our day jobs for almost a year into this thing. So, um, he was going in there at night, making the wood pieces. Um, we were shipping them out of his house for a while. And you know, what? can you get a little closer to the mic? Oh, yeah. I think you moved away. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we were, we were shipping them out of, out of our houses and then, um, yeah. I mean, we were, it sucked. We were just doing it every night, bootstrapping it. And, um, I think both of us were, uh, you know, probably not working as hard as we could have been at our day jobs. I think it was kind of like check the boxes and then, you know, 
start working on GenSense. Ah, really? And yeah, I think just we were thinking you know, about it all the time. All love, the time. But didn't the market just tell you, dude, we don't need this. We can't smell it remotely. We're not buying it. Who wants this? Didn't yeah. the market just tell you no? Yeah, except that we started we started pushing it on social media and stuff, and it, it started to, to take off a little bit. And we started to test ads. And, you know, it's probably the best time to run social ads was back then. And, um, you know, we had a really low acquisition cost. We were acquiring customers, customers pretty well. Um, and so, yeah, we just kept kind of limping this thing along for, for a while. So, wow. Okay. And so he's making it, you're shipping it. And you did the thing that I did. I had this idea that I wanted to have beads sent out to people. So they fit in a freaking envelope. Let's put it in an envelope and mail it out <laughs> yep. to people. People will tell me that the envelopes came in empty. Like I cheated and I definitely didn't cheat. Thankfully they, I have enough uh, of a relationship with my audience that when I sent it out to them and came in blank, they didn't get angry at me, but they said, it's not in here. You know what it turned out? Those standard like first class envelopes, they run them through a machine that has like takes a U-turn. So hmm. that's how they scan and read it. And in that U-turn that they ran the, the, the envelopes through, our beads were getting pushed to the corner of the envelope and then getting shot out at the post yep. office. And we had no idea until yep. we were told, hey, you got to stop this. Um, what what happened when you were you were also doing it saying, look, this these blocks fit in a standard envelope. Let's put it in and mail it. Yeah. So if you went back and looked at like our original uh, uh, business plan, like the first Excel sheet shows it, uh, us shipping each block at 47 cents, right? Like, look, we're just throwing it in a letter and mailing it out. Right. What's the big deal, right? Like, we just didn't know any better. So, you know, obviously the first month would come with its metal clip and a different packaging. And then the refills like, Hey, our, we got great margins. We can ship this thing at, you know, 50 mm -hmm. cents. Um, we actually got away with that for probably three months when we had small numbers of shipments and we were kind of spreading them out. Um, but then once we, we shipped, um, we shipped a bunch once and all of a sudden, like the next day, Christian's like, Hey, the, the whole bag came back. Like the post office just dropped the, off the whole bag. We dropped off. Like, I don't know what to do. And so we're like, okay, now we, we probably need to look at the shipping problem and start to sort it out. And so, you know, we, we called around and, and started looking around at other subscription businesses to see, you know, what, what are the tricks? How do we actually ship this thing? Um, and he, you found out the hard way, same as us. Um, and, and there's, there are some tricks you can do um, through that, but uh, it's, it's definitely a little bit of a janky process and not a ton of information on how to do it. And it's still a little bit of a gray area. What, so what did you learn? How can you, what's the inexpensive? Cause this was basically going to break you. How much were you getting quoted if you were just changed to what the standard solution was? Yeah. So if you ship a USPS parcel, I, like right now, I think it's like 270 to 350, depending on how far it's going or whatever, Wow. Okay. Um, which obviously is not going to work on a, on a $8 product, right? Like that's going to eat so you all were your doing margin. $8, no shipping and handling. Right. Yep. $8 so, is so little. Why didn't you just yeah. say, well, we'll go 15. If someone's taking $8 out of their pocket, 15 is not that much more. We'll charge 15. We'll make a bigger margin. We're done. Or we'll do $8, but we'll also say, look, it's only $3 shipping. People will accept $3 shipping. Yeah. And we, and we've looked at all sorts of options. We, we ultimately just are looking at the comparison, right? So if you're going to go to, if you're going to go to the gas station, pick up a little tree, you can get a three pack for four bucks, you know? So you're, you're basically a little over a dollar a piece. And so we're competing with that and we don't want to be, you know, we already are eight times the cost. So if you want to, you know, go up any further than that, it's a little bit tough to do you think? that. Okay. Yeah. I, and we're, we're, again, we're playing with it a little bit and that's, and that's some of this new product stuff. It's, it's, it's keeping the value there too. So eight bucks has worked for us. Um, okay. and, and we have found some tricks. I won't go into some of them. Cause I think we, we kind of consider some of that trade secret on, on what we do. You had to mail it out. Yeah. You could go figure it out if you wanted to. There's, 
Um, there's some tricks around it though, but a lot of, a lot of the companies we were looking at that are subscription, yeah, all your big D to C players, if you order some of their stuff, you could figure out how they're doing it. Um, but there's, there's and that's some what you did. It. You yeah. and Christian said, we can't figure this out on our own. It's going to kill us. Yeah. Literally would have taken you out of business. And totally. so you started saying who out there is in a similar space, doing subscription, selling things for, for low margins. And then you called them up. Did they just take your calls because you were in the business? No, no, we, yeah, no, we didn't. We actually, we had to find, if I remember right, we figured out a, one of the suppliers, like the third party suppliers that was supplying, I don't know, Dollar Shave Club or somebody. Um, mm -hmm. And we figured out their packaging guy, basically. And he, he had all the tricks. And so, and so you just get to that. So it's calling around. They're not taking your calls because yeah. who the hell are you and why should they yeah, help right. you? And yeah. then you found him. He, he gave you all this insight and the thing turned around. All right. Let me take yeah. a moment to talk about my uh, first sponsor. And uh, actually, I didn't even get an okay from you. I usually check in with my guests to see if it's okay, but I think it's all right. My first yeah. sponsor is HostGator. And what I've been doing in the HostGator ads is instead of talking up HostGator, because people can see it just works on my site. It, if you need a website hosted, hosted, HostGator will do it for you. And if you use my URL, you get a low price. What I've been doing is kind of brainstorming business ideas for people who are sitting on the margins thinking, I want to start something to, to run with. And so here's one that I got for you, Ryan. Tell me what you yes. think of this. Actually, I had a guest, uh, this guy, Mike, he came up with Soma Water, where he said, look, the Brita water filters are ugly and they really are ugly. You feel like you're, you're, you're you feel like you're at your grandmother's house who has the plastic on her, on her uh, couch when you serve water at dinner party with a Brita water filter. He said, I'm going to make it look prettier. Now his thing did look prettier, but it was a little cumbersome, but fine. And then he sold the, the filters on subscription. Yep. I still like that business. What do you think of somebody saying, I like what Ryan's doing with Drift. I think I want to come up with my own thing. Look around their house. We all have these Brita things. None of us are replacing it often enough. And we feel kind of, I feel kind of bad about it. What am I gunking it up when I'm, and I'm giving the water to my kids? What if we copy the Soma idea? We come back. I think Mike Del Ponte, when he did this, he was early and Tim Ferriss invested in it. Uh, they were early to this, to this subscription model, sending things out by mail and all that. What do you think if we copy that, come up with a nice looking picture? How hard could that be? Mail it out to people and do subscription. I could probably take this freaking ugly Brita water filter, say it's free if you if you subscribe for a year of my filters. All right, tell me what you think of that idea, Ryan. I mean, I like it, but I'm not going to cheat on the Soma guy. I freaking, I, I remember that. No, no, product. he sold the company. He sold oh, it. He's mind, long let's gone do it. from it. Yeah, screw that. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It. I don't yeah, mean I'm to in. say like, let's jump in. I yeah, think no. he was early. He's All right. Listen to me, people. Whether it's that idea or any one of these other ideas that that you've heard me talk about in past um, uh, past interviews, when it's time for you to get a website and you need somebody to host it, go to hostgator.com/mixergy. And in fact, it's not just for you could sell products on it. You could you could do content the way that I do with my podcast. But I'm going to interview a guy who's who bought dozens of websites, all content sites, added more content to them, added SEO, and then was able to grow it into uh, into a million dollar a year business. When he first told me the idea, I said, it's not going to work. He kept checking in with me and saying, Andrew, this idea you, you thought was not going to work. It's working. Here's where I am. Here's where I am. Here's where I am. And then he finally said, I'm ready to do an interview about it. So I'm going to interview him. Content too, whether it's any one of the ideas that I've had here on Mixergy or one of your own, if you need a website, uh, you need it hosted. I highly recommend HostGator. They're inexpensive. They just work and they'll scale with you. Yes, I know. I'm going to give you a URL to their least expensive package. That's where I think you should start. But no, they will scale with you. You can even do managed WordPress hosting, which is like the fancy hosting for WordPress sites. Anyway, I'm going to stop yapping. Already low prices, even lower if you use my URL. Hostgator.com slash Mixergy. Hostgator.com slash Mixergy. 
All right, you're doing this whole thing now by yourself, no, uh, by yourselves, no, uh, no investors. At what point, well, how did advertising go? You were just doing social ads and you were starting to figure it out? Yeah, I mean, I had a little bit of background in, in social and um, mostly on the organic side, but the paid side, I kind of just started playing around with it and we figured it out. And, you know, like I said, we had some tricks with the, with how we, how we sold it. Cause it, it's, there's no scratch and sniff on, on Instagram, you know? So we, we learned really quick that you have to explain the fragrances with a feeling or with uh, showing the ingredients, but also making you like, what does that scent feel like? You know? And so we started to go into more of that where it's like showing different kind of reels now, then now we call them reels, but like I, I called them scent reels of, you know, what would that scent feel like? And so we started doing that and then just showing the product. Like we, our best performing ad back in the day was like a screen grab from the Kickstarter video. And it was just um, our buddy Co Cody holding it up. He actually works for us now, which is hilarious. And uh, that ad crushed it, made the business. Like literally I just pumped so much money into that ad. Um, We're talking about this look. Worked. So the way it works is it's, it's a block of wood with a magnet on the back. And then there's the clip that you can put on your visor. And the thing I think that you're talking about is it's him holding up the block of wood about to connect it to the, to the visor. And that immediately says, here's where it goes. Here's how it's going to look in your car. Right. Yep. Yep. And then we just kind of ran on the kind of better air freshener copy and, and talking about the sense, uh, you know, back then we, we ran a carousel ad that was like that. And then the fragrances and people would, you know, buy in off the fragrances right off the bat. So it was really, really interesting. And, and yeah, it worked. Dude, your, your taste, your sense of design is on freaking believable. I noticed it in the watch that you're wearing. I noticed it on your site. I don't know. Are these, are these photos you take yourself? I don't even think they are. I think what you're doing is you're going out and finding photos that represent your vision for the product. You add a, uh, your own, um, color correction to them. Am I right? Like it has your sensibility, the images on your Instagram, the images that you use on your site. Yeah. Some of it, we do a lot of the curation and then, and then, yeah, when we shoot our own stuff, we, we use, we use a couple of local photographers. I do a lot of our videos still. We have a couple of people that help us out too on that, but yeah, for the most part, um, you know, with, with that too, we, we try to curate like, uh, you know, there's some sites we use that, you know, you can gather free stuff, but to your point, yeah, yeah like we just, we, we have a very specific style and yeah. Um, I think with the brand, especially with drift, it's, um, it is all about a feeling of that. And we we want people to buy into that feeling. Um, yeah, I think that's one of our strong suits for sure. Yeah, I kind of want to live your life. I feel like your, I mean, the life anyway that you're communicating mm -hmm. here, what you're showing here on your Instagram page is I think a sense of style that Olivia and I can both agree on. Like it, it has the minimalism that I love and it has the old fashioned, timeless feel that she's looking for. I mean, right. I look at, I look at your backdrop there. You, you got it. Like we could, so this we is could, an Airbnb. Oh, no, well, regardless, is... but you're, but you're picking the Airbnb. For, <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, no, this, it's this woman who got it. Uh, I do like this, the, the vibe of this Airbnb. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, but that's the style. I mean, you're clearly picking those places because you have that style. And I think that's part of our brand is we want people to buy into that. Yeah. Um, you know, I think yeah, I also, also, it's not even about what you have. It's what you want. You know, I think for us, Drift is an aspirational brand and it's like, you know, you might be driving a, a 98 Honda Civic with the, the license plate rattling you want to feel like it's a, yeah. you, know, you know, a Porsche. So like, you know, drift hopefully helps escalate at least the experience within what you already have to a better place. What, what was your process for experimenting with ads and not losing all your money competing with people who are perfect at this? 
Yeah, I mean, we we were always um, I've always been conservative in our growth. We've never we've never taken on full on VC money. We took on some investment. We could talk about that. Um, but we yeah, we always tried to just play it really, really safe on the ad side. And, you know, we experiment. We we still experiment with stuff and, and try to figure out what works best. What's funny is like all of the best practices have never worked for us. Like people when I was running carousel ads, like why are you running carousel ads? They don't work. Well, they work for me, you know, or like single image ads. Why, why that photo looks like it honestly looks like shit. It's, it's terrible. It's, it's the, I got, I'll, I don't know. I think you're being hard on yourself. Um, the first one is bad. Because you're saying I, I saw it. I think, I guess what, what do you, what do you think is bad about it? It was just a screenshot from the Kickstarter. It's just like a grainy, terrible looking photo and it just crushed it. But the reason I think that worked was it felt more native to the platform when we were running these on Instagram or Facebook in the beginning. It felt more like the type of thing that people would post themselves than exactly. Uh, yeah, it didn't. You weren't scrolling it, and you were like, "Oh, what's this? Oh, okay, that's cool. Well, it's an ad. I didn't even notice, you know." And and for us, like the experimentation, we we tried all the platforms too. Facebook and Instagram still work the best for us. Um, we were our retargeting doesn't work that great. We kind of feel like for eight bucks, you're either buying it or you're not. Mm. You know, it's kind of a quick quick turnaround. But um, yeah, I mean, it it was scary though in the beginning because we were. We were we were using the money that the business was generating to put it back into it, but you know that's that's where we hit the point where um, we were like, you know, if we want this thing to go, we probably need some outside money. What was your churn rate in the early days? <clears throat> um, it was actually pretty good. Uh, we've always been like, uh, you know, below what it, like around industry standards, so like, you know, somewhere between three and five percent. So um, it's pretty okay. good. Three and five percent is really low. That's like software levels churn. Yeah. Rates. Yeah. And, and we, you know, we, we figured out ways to like, look at it. You know, you try to look at, we looked at short-term versus long-term too. You know, you obviously have people because of subscriptions and I do this. So I'm in the bad category. I'm a, I'm a terrible abuser of subscriptions where, you know, you'll sign up cancel. And then you basically use the discount as a one-time discount. Uh, yeah. you know? And that we see that a lot. Um, we actually track that though. Like we know when a customer comes back. So Meaning um, you give people a discount for the first one to get them in. So people will sign up and then cancel and sign up well, again for the discount. Yeah. Well, I'm saying we even just, we, we discount um, a subscription versus a one-time. We actually don't have like a trial necessarily, but we, we do like, it's eight bucks if you bought the wood by or wood on a subscription. Um, but like some of the other products we do, it's like 10 or 12 for a one-time. So you get that, you get that discount. Okay. If you All right. subscribe. So you were starting to tell me a little bit about your, um, about investor. At what point did you say we need to get outside money? And then I, the way that you did it is, uh, it's kind of painful, but we'll talk about that. What point did you say I need to raise money? What made you do yeah, that? We, uh, it's just when it came to growth, we were just like, Hey, look, we want to, we want to see if this thing, we, we, we knew it had a little bit of legs. And so we're like, Hey, we need some money for marketing. Um, it, what's funny is we're not capital intensive on, on product still. Like we don't, our POs for a product are not massive and we're basically just in time. So it was just, just on marketing. What's and PO? So, PO is purchase order on yeah, product on the yeah. wood that you yeah. get on the uh, essential oils and the metals now, and you're still making it internally. Uh, we have a partner who does the wood. So the wood is the woods all made in the U S so we, we, we grown cut and made this is kind of okay. how we say it. And then uh, yeah, we source some other stuff outside of the U S um, okay. like the metal clips, those sort of things. But um, we're actually working to try to get it back in the U S right now. Cause there's 75 container ships sitting off the coast right now. Oh, really? That you can't yeah. get why what's, yeah. what's holding them up. 
uh, just, I don't know, just COVID stuff has just made, made oh, ship, wow. shipping's an absolute nightmare right now. So we're trying to okay. see if we can move some of it back to, to the U S or North America. Um, anyways, so yeah, we, we were like, you know, we need some more cash to, to be able to try and get this thing to go. And so, um, what's funny is we had that we do this investment group. Um, Christian had worked with one of the guys I'd worked with another one separately and they both had bought the product and were interested in possibly investing in the company. And, uh, but they didn't know about it. They were independent of each other. They'd bought the product and were using it. Okay. And so one day they were like, Hey, have you guys seen this GenSense product? And they were like, yeah, it's pretty cool. We should chat with those guys. And so, um, so yeah, Christian and I were like, okay, that's cool. Let's, let's build a deck and, and, you know, see, see what the, what this entails. Um, the, the story is we basically made it two slides into the deck. And, um, to this day, we still never fully make it through our decks with those guys. I feel like it always turns into these awesome, just great conversations with these these guys and um they're not like a real vc they're just kind of like a little syndicate they they just invest in small stuff like us is it like an angelist syndicate yeah they just yeah i don't know that they actually like even list or whatever but like they just there's just four of them um and they kind of just go invest with each other and so uh um, you know that's an interesting way to do it yeah do i know any of them uh i don't know they worked in baby before so um it's called what's that like baby uh baby stuff oh got it okay So they had a company that they sold to a, like a Japanese conglomerate. And what's the name of the company well. or the name of one it was, of the, it was called, uh, it was called JJ Cole. It's the original company. Okay. Um, so yeah. So what I heard was they ended up taking a bigger percentage than other, than if you would have gone more traditional. Yeah. So I think like, you know, Christian, and I had never done a venture deal. Like I wish we would have read some books. I, they are not sharky. They were not doing anything wrong. And I actually don't think, I don't think it's a bad deal what we got, but I do think that we took on, I think what a lot of people do is they'll take on more cash than they need to um, because they think they'll need it. But it, what, in reality, what you should do, and, and uh, this is my thesis. So, you know, some MBA somewhere can tell me I'm wrong, but I think you should take on just a little bit above what you need at the time to grow it or, you know, whatever your plan is showing. Mm-hmm. And, and that makes sense. Right. Cause like, okay, let, because what they did is they took a bigger ch- a chunk of it. It was tranched, but we had it so that uh, they basically took a, a big share that, you know, ultimately we paid a higher cost for because, um, you know, we could have, we could have given them smaller amounts uh, at different levels that are yep. worth more. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I see what you mean. You know, I think in hindsight, we would have done something like that a little bit better. I also, uh, I feel like since doing this, I've gotten to be a much better negotiator that no one's first number is ever their real number. Mm. And, you know, I think we kind of bit pretty quick on it because we're like, you know, who knows what this opportunity is going to, to turn into. And so we just kind of went with it. When in you're reality, still working like a full-time job at the time. Yeah. Yeah, we were. Both yeah. of us. And you were kind of, it seems like you were eager to get out of there. You couldn't even talk about it really publicly because the job wouldn't let you have a side hustle. So that means that you couldn't tweet it. You couldn't talk about it. You couldn't be one of these people who's saying, I'm going to build in public. None of that. Right. Yeah. And I, I feel like I had built a like, I wasn't like an influencer by any means, like, but I, I definitely had a small following that I think I could have leveraged a little harder in the beginning. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I couldn't do any of that. My, my job had a no freelance rule. And so I was kind of just scraping it by and uh yeah, I mean, it's, uh, w- you know, without the investment, we would have never, it's like, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, you learn lessons as you do this stuff and um, never take anybody's first number. And yeah. I still don't do that now. <laughs> like with suppliers, it's always like, 
they'll give you a number and you're like, dude, I bet I can get 10 or 20% difference on this. Just, and just for fun, I'll do it. Cause like, what's the worst they'll say? No, you're not going to offend them. You know, I'm not, I'm not being a jerk and be like, no, 75% that number. You it know? does become really fun to negotiate. I forget what movie it was. Was it catch me if you can, where he saw his dad negotiate or be charming. I, I don't know. But once you get into it, you start to negotiate with everyone. I was on with T-Mobile the other day because I wanted to see, should I get my phone through whatever discount offer that they have for my wife? And then um, and then before I hung up, I said, you know, can you do me a deal and lower my price on this? And anyway, he goes, actually, we could take $5 off your Apple Watch uh, subscription. I go, okay, thank you. Right. I, like, just tossing stuff out. All right. So this is where you were. How, how much of the company did you have to give up? A third? Um. Yeah, we gave up, uh, yeah, roughly. And uh, okay. yeah, and so we, yeah, we did that and um, we got some cash to, to start to invest in marketing and that's kind of when it started blowing up and it, it, got, it got fun really, really fast. We, uh -huh. we started to grow it. We, we made our first hire right about that time. They were, I mean, we were literally shipping these things out of an office space, not like a warehouse or anything. And like, I'm pretty sure we ruined the space just because of our sense, like, any Ooh. space we move into is just <laughs> fumigated. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, so we had our first hire. Um, he was running our warehouse, shipping all the orders out for us. And then, you know, we were we were coming in at night and helping and trying to grow it. And then um, having the investors on the board, they basically got to a point where they're like, they kind of put the guns to our head and said, you know, are you guys in or out? I think if, if we're going to go for it and we think this is going to go, like you guys got to go full time. And we were both making really good money, you know, like we had good, good day jobs and, uh, we just committed Christian went first. Um, and then, uh, I went a couple months after him. So we kind of left, like made it so we could ease into it a little bit. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy from there. Let's talk a little bit about, um, the you're saying now there's an infrastructure enabling people to sell uh, sell products by subscription what is that infrastructure what are you using yeah we're on shopify and then we okay. use a we use a platform called recharge and it's mm -hmm. um we used to be on one called bold it was okay um they just they aren't built for how we need them and so you know if you want to go into like full development you could build some things but it was you know when we started pricing that out it's like quarter million dollars you know to build a, a full subscription suite we're like, so, we're not, we're not VC back. So we don't have like money to burn. So we how'd never you do it in the early days, spreadsheets and stuff. No, we still, we used bold and it worked. We just kind bold. of like, yeah, bold was the one we used. It's still around bold mm -hmm. and recharge kind of are duking it out. Recharge is definitely the bigger one on Shopify right now. Um, okay. And it it's, it's gotten so much better than it used to be, but like, you know, we'd be in meetings with our investors and they'd be like, Hey, you guys should do this. This is like best practice for subscriptions. And we're like, yeah, like that's cool. Except the platform won't allow us to do it, you know? And like, we didn't have developers or anything. So we were, we were trying to limp by with that and, you know, it still worked for us, but you know, nowadays I feel like not nowadays. I mean, that sounds like it's like, so like we've done this for 10 years, but, but it does um, seem like know. it's advanced. So what are some of the features that they would have, that they wanted you to have that now are available? Yeah. I mean, like just the simple stuff, like getting people to swap easily um, between cents or, you know, upgrading to uh, a prepaying for a longer term, right? Like, so upgrading okay. to a six or 12 month, right? Like we've all seen that. That's the best way to, to, and that's easy for people to do on their own now. Yeah. We're getting, it's getting better. Yeah, for sure. So we're, you know, we're still working on a lot of that stuff. It's not like totally perfect off the shelf, but, um, now, now we have better ways of facilitating it for sure. Okay. All right. What about for keeping track of uh, shipping? What are you using for that? 
Uh, we've used, we've used ShipStation from the beginning and Mm -hmm. we're like an enterprise client because we're shipping like 60,000 orders a month, you know? Uh Um, but, uh, we're actually migrating to, uh, ship hero, I think right now to manage our warehouse. And so what's crazy is, you know, everybody's always like, so yeah, who's your three PL? It's like, uh, we still own our own warehouse. We still do all our own production, all our own fulfillment. So I've interviewed three PL companies. The big advantage that they have is they have locations all over the country, which gets the product out to people fast. Why, why isn't that a big thing for you? Yeah, it's, that's a good question. So we, um, because we do just in time. So uh, if you put in an order today, we would, pr- that wood piece would have probably been made either today or like yesterday. So we are, we are making them as they go out. And so we can't really store inventory with someone. Um, and there's reasons for that. We do send to the month so we can kind of control the inventory a lot easier. Mm-hmm. We don't have any sort of like lost inventory because of that. We don't have like extras. We have to fire sell. We don't, we don't do that really. So and you don't have a situation where people are buying it and they're hungry for it right this moment. I guess not. Right. No. And they are when we ship pretty quick too. So if your first, your first order is usually delivered within, you know, three or four days of its shipping. So we're not, you know, we don't need the one to two day things necessarily. Okay. Um, and refills you're not at once you're after your first refill, then you're on the same interval every time. So it right. arrives pretty much the same time. It doesn't really matter. So, right. Okay. And so for paying people, what are you using? Using Ripple, uh, Gusto, uh, for, of like Rippling. oh uh, like backend stuff. Yeah, um, for making sure that you're ta- that you're paying your people. Rippling, Rippling is what we use. Uh, we're on Quick- we just use QuickBooks for everything still. So. For paying people too. Yeah, yeah, we use their payroll. Okay, all right. I guess it's good. The thing I don't like about it is I don't think they do autom- uh, automatic payment, right? Don't you have to go in and hit it or using a yeah, you do. Service? Yeah, we we have a bookkeeper too, but yeah, Christian still runs payroll, so we're still we're still a small team. How, how big is the team? Uh, we have seven in our office that kind of manage marketing operations, um, customer service. And then we have uh, 12 out in the warehouse, which that's that's a little bit bigger of an operation. But that's not small, but no. okay. That's a yeah. lot of people to keep track of too. And yeah, it's not it's not too bad though. I still feel like we're still pretty, pretty close. Pretty. Are you pretty enjoying the management team. part of the work? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's fine. <laughs> I think, I think it's definitely got, it's, it's, it's fun. It's funny. I talked to Christian about this quite a bit. It's like, I think you kind of long for the, the, the two person days for some yeah. reasons, you know, sometimes I think that like, I definitely love my team. I don't get me wrong. I like yep. love it, but it create, it is a entirely different program. The second you hire people. Um, and I think that, um, I like it. We wouldn't be anywhere without the, out the crew. And I think it, if it facilitates a lot quicker movement on a lot of things, but I definitely think that like, for me personally, I like, I'm a, I'm a doer. So my team will complain about it all the time. Cause I probably just will take stuff on that. I'm just, I'll just do it, you know? Yeah. Cause I, that's just how I, I'd rather just be scrappy and, and do it versus, you know, even, I feel like delegation sometimes tends to be for me, it feels like it takes longer than it would just, just for me to just get it done. So, yeah, it's true. So that's my problem. It's, it's not actually, it's not, it's not a problem with my team or management at all. It's, it's literally, no, a it's definitely a problem with you. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, one of the first things that my professor, my entrepreneurship professor in college gave us was the book. Um, um, what is it called? The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. He said, you're going to know that you can do the job better and you're not going to give it to someone else. And then there you're finally going to do it when you're exhausted and then they'll get it wrong and you'll take it back on yourself. And then you'll be so busted that you won't be able to grow the business. But I, I get it. I see you're. I see you're kind of aware of uh, of the issue. Yeah. What about this other issue? So COVID hits. You create an air freshener for cars. The one <laughs> image that sells is that this your friend putting the air freshener in his car. People stopped. People stopped driving for a bit, and then they got back in crazy driving. What happened? 
Yeah. I mean, like initially, I think, and I, I think if we all go back and remember, we all thought, oh, this is two weeks. You know, it's like, I think everyone was like, oh, this is only going to be a minute, you know, so we'll be okay. And so initially we were like, all right, we'll just send everybody home. We'll work remote for a couple of weeks, um, you know, figure out, figure out how to get through this thing. And then as it went on, it was all of a sudden like, okay, this is going to be here for a minute. Like it got a little scary. And we thought, you know, we modeled out kind of every possible scenario, the, the nuclear option of like, what happens if everybody churns? Like, what do we do? You know, how can we survive it? Like what, at what point do we keep the company alive? Like what does life support even look like? We just kind of ran scenarios just so we, you know, yeah. I'd rather have a plan than just like, okay, now we have to figure it out. You know? So we were kind of pre pre triaging the situation. Um, luckily that didn't happen. We had, you know, we definitely saw a little bit of a churn, but we still grew. Um, July, 2020 was one of our best months ever. Like we started to grow like crazy last year when kind of everybody started driving again and road trips started to become a thing again. Um, yeah, I mean, you definitely saw people getting rid of their second cars or like, Hey, I'm not commuting. So this thing's staying parked. So I don't need a second air freshener, but I'm going to keep the one in my main car, mm. you know? So we saw a lot of that. Um, but yeah, it didn't kill us. It like our churn was fine. And, um, you know, we stalled out for probably two months, but then we were back to growing in, in June, July, August. And our holiday last year was the best holiday we've done ever. And what'd you yeah. do with, uh, the warehouse people to keep them safe and distant and all that stuff? There? Yeah. I mean, we, we tried to follow the CDC protocols like as best we could on, you know, distancing everybody out a little bit. It was, it was terrifying though. Like any, anybody got a cold, it was like, okay, like who are you around? And you had to like yeah. contract contact trace and stuff. And so, yeah, it was, it was scary for a bit. We tried to keep, you know, we tried to minimize how many people were out there just so we could minimize, you know, if, if there was a, a, a case then we could isolate it a little bit better. So, um, yeah, but it was, it was a, it was an adventure there for a hot minute. It's, but it's still, it's, it's got these stupid ripple effects that are still just wild, you know, like our shipping, you know, our, our sourcing is just crazy right now. And, you know, stuff that normally it's hard. takes, oh, it's so hard. And it's mm. not even hard. It's, it's, it's shipping. You know, if you need, we have, we have product. It's just like right now we have literally at this moment, we have a container sitting on a ship that hasn't been unloaded because someone tested positive on the boat. And then in the meantime, there's like a huge backlog of boats in Long Beach right now. And so we have products sitting out there that we can't get to, you know? Yeah. And so it's crazy. It's, it's, it's an adventure right now. If you're trying to source product. What about for advertising? I'm hearing um, that social and Facebook specifically is just not doing as well. Oh, I see the lights turned off. <laughs> so it's a motion sensor. Yeah. So. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> uh, didn't move enough. Um, yeah. Advertising for us, um, the iOS 14 stuff. Uh, we thought it might affect us a little bit. Um, one nice thing, uh, we don't do a ton of retargeting, so that doesn't kill us too bad. Um, and to be honest, we found that like straight up broad targeting, and I mean like broad, broad targeting has worked great for us. And I think it's probably because we have a, we've pumped a ton of data into Facebook. Right. Um, but that's, that's worked fine for us. We haven't been, uh, overly impacted. I will say we have noticed CPMs have gone up in like the last year, just mm -hmm. overall. Um, but yeah, for the most part, we, we haven't been like overly negative, negatively impacted. Um, I'm trying to think of what else, what else we haven't covered. I think, um, I think that's basically it. I I'm, I'm looking also, I'm also hunting down to see where you're getting your traffic and it seems like GenSense is is still sending still traffic driving through. traffic yeah it's crazy right the I, honestly 
I'm honestly shocked. I was looking at it literally yesterday on, on Google analytics. And it was like, it was, a, it was, it was on the top. It was on the first page of like referrals. And I was like, how, you know, and it's probably just search, but I need to go look at, at GenSense. I need to look at the Google analytics from GenSense and see where people are coming from. But yeah, super you, yeah you didn't 301 it or anything. You just, no, we just kept it up. Yeah. We just kept it up. Cause like, I don't know, maybe, maybe we resurrect something under that, not under GenSense itself, but uh, here's what know. else is sending you traffic get arpu.com it yeah. apparently it's your shipping soon emails should make you more money so <laughs> it's the email yep. that says we're about to ship this do you want to add these items to your cart before yep. we do yep that, that thing crushes for us like if you're using a if you're using a subscription platform uh -huh. you should definitely be doing that stuff like uh your your first instinct with subscriptions is don't email the customer don't remind them they have a subscription so that they don't That's... cancel before the next thing comes up right exactly um that's kind of true. However, that is also an opportunity for you to go get some LTV out of them. And so we use ARPU for that. So you can add more stuff to your bundles. Um, and, you know, we're doing a lot more around that stuff. So a lot of the products you'll start to see us come out with um, are around that. Um, and we're working on a bunch of uh, home products as well that are going to be super cool. So, yes, I feel like that's the next thing that it's nice to have it in the car. It might be more essential to have it in the bathroom. Obviously, that's where people are buying scents anyway, but all these old-fashioned scents just look like something out of your grandmother's house, right? Those old yeah. cans. There have been people who've done the, the here's the way to get the poop uh, to not smell, and that's just so off-putting to go into someone's yeah. house and they see that they've got the poop-pourri thing. I, I don't yeah. need my, my friends to see that. You guys have good style. People like you in the car. They're going to want you in the house. That's a natural next step for you. Yeah. So we've got, we've got the room sprays, which we've had forever, which are great for like those instances in the bathroom or something, you know, post post work, you can I get a little spritz. Okay. Um, yes. And then we're uh, today, I think it'll go up, up, you know, the next couple of days we'll have reed diffusers. Um, so kind of just passive scenting. Oh, uh -huh. um, we have candles that are coming too. So, you know, we see it as we have these awesome fragrances that, you know, our customer base has really come to love and we want to give them every opportunity to use them in their life, not just, you know, while they're commuting. Yeah. Natural fit. Now I'm trying to think what else. All right. I interviewed this other entrepreneur. I think he, his thing just completely went away, but he had this thing that would put essential oils into your shower head, just oh, cool. drip them out so that you could, I wonder if that makes sense now today. I got to go back and see if he's still, if he's still in business, but now I'm thinking everything should be subscription. If people are buying it over and over. Totally. You know, and it's funny, it's funny on the subscription thing with that too, is like, we talk about it a lot. There's consumables, like actually yep. consumable where you're like, you know, your drink brands and those. What's funny about that is your consumption is different than my consumption. So yes. there's not a ton of like, there's a little bit more variability in yeah. the, the interval in which you'd want to get a subscription for us. You know, it's, it's pretty much 30 days. The thing dies, you know, it's like pretty, right. we, right. we kind of, I mean, not, that's not always true. Like some people may want it stronger, so they'll, they'll, they'll want it sooner, but for the most part, 30 day interval works perfect for us. I think that's a problem with the, with the Brita showering. Also, you want to know that it's gone down and that's where everyone's trying to figure out how can I, how can I trigger an alert to some system that says we are out of this thing? Maybe that's the next big missing piece, something that's inexpensive that really knows we are out and right. 20 bucks would not be that much to invest in something like that no. for a Brita filter for something else or Brita competitor. You're starting to see it more. Um, Amazon took the technology. For, I can't remember the coffee brand. It's called like endless or something. Mm -hmm. um, bottomless. I don't remember, but they, they basically, you took your coffee bag, set it on the scale and the scale was smart. That. Well, listen, but not, not all the time. You just leave it on the shelf. Uh -huh. And so when the coffee runs to a certain level, it'll reorder it for you. And so it's not like you have to like measure it yourself. 
but it just sits on it. Smart device, mails it to you. Right Got it. You. All right. That makes sense. As long as I don't have to do it, it's on my shelf. All right. That makes sense. I, I don't know why I'm just saying no right away. I like you. Yeah, Listen, Andrew, come. You're so sharky, dude. I'm here dude. To, to teach you. Damn. Did not know I was going on a shark. <laughs> Jeez. I'm like, wait, it's a good pitch here. All right. We started uh, no, out so I, nicely too. No, we didn't actually. We started out like, <laughs> just, hit me. Hey, Andrew, so, going, how amazing is this? Uh, I think, I think that's the way you'll, you'll start to see this is my theory on a lot of this stuff. And we, as we look at more devices in the home, we are looking at smart, but I think people are sick of apps. They're sick of like, I don't need an app to control some stupid device in my house that I literally turn on or off. Right. I don't need that. I want it to be smart in the sense that it knows how to refill itself. It right. gets me the stuff I need for it. Like to your, what you're saying, I have an yeah. air filter now in my house that's smart, which is cool. I rarely control it from my phone but it, it's telling me the filter life. So it'll notify right. me when the filter needs to be swapped. That's awesome. Like yeah. not, a, and it's not time-based. It's literally telling me, Hey, there's less airflow coming through this thing. Replace me. That stuff makes sense to me. You know, uh, your oil change, it shouldn't be based on mileage. It should be on like, is the oil dirty and does it need to be changed? Right. You know, those sort of things, I think we'll start to see actually smarter and more efficient. And then I'm, I'll spend my dollars more efficiently versus like, you know, even for us, I think it would be cool if it's like a scent, a scent sensor in the car that's like, hey, it's starting to stink in here. Fire up an order. And instead of it, you know, and we're not going to do that every day. We're not going to be, you know, sharky about it. But, you know, making sure that if somebody's on that, yeah. they get it when they want it. All right. That's the big last step of all this stuff. Sensors that are small, don't use a lot of electricity, connect to Wi-Fi one time, and then you forget about them until, in fact, not until you need to replace the battery, maybe until you need to replace the whole sensor because it's so inexpensive. All right. You've opened my eyes to a lot of different things. Right now, what <laughs> we've got is anything that we're buying on a regular basis, or frankly, I'm going to start anything that you look around on a regular basis should be, you should start thinking, is this a subscription? Is Can I do what Ryan did with Drift to this thing? What else is out there? Number one. And number two, the long-term play is, how do we make sensors small enough that we put into everyday items that automatically will trigger that we need another one without having, uh, without having to interact with them? Yeah. Right. The website is drift.co. You must have paid a good penny for it. Uh, yeah, we actually we somehow stumbled upon it when it opened up. Somebody lost it, and I'm oh, sure, so I'm it was sure just it, a few bucks. Yeah. Uh, no. Well, I don't know. We yeah, it it was a debacle, but we we ended up getting it. It wasn't it wasn't crazy expensive. Um. But uh, yeah, I'm sure drift.com really hates us. So the, the, uh, the, the message, the <laughs> they would cancel us throwing things around the office. Yeah. Now, how dare you? Ryan and Ryan and, and uh, Ryan and Christian over at drift.com. I'm sure are getting tons of emails because they're just one letter away from getting our emails. So now it's uh, yeah. they're good people. And I, I think if anything, they're probably happy. They're, yeah, they're we should, we it. should probably use them as our, uh, our chat platform, huh? No, they might be too confused and too upset by that. <laughs> like people come to your side. Um, I don't know. I think actually, I do think that David's got a good sense of humor about this stuff. But I do like the domain. Super simple. It looks so elegant. How small it is on my URL bar. It's drift.co. And uh, I'm grateful to you for doing this interview. And I'm thankful to Hostgator for sponsoring. For anyone who needs a website, go to hostgator.com/slash mixergy. Ryan, thanks a lot, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks. Bye, everyone. <laughs>